Welcome to Investor Insights, the wealth management podcast where we address investor needs, help you enhance your financial situation, and explore all parts of a person's financial life. And now, the host of Investor Insights, Mike Williams. Hello there, it's Mike Williams, and thanks again for joining us on today's episode. We're going to call this one, The System is Just Fine. Hey, guess what? The deficit as a percent of GDP is imploding. How come we've not seen that anywhere in the headlines? Heck, they could even use the word imploding in capital letters as a real attention getter. We know how like how much they like that. Uh, but don't blame it on anything. Just thank the taxpayers. Personal income taxes have hit all-time records at all levels. Corporate taxes have hit all-time records. You want to know why we've had a tepid recovery? Not because of the Fed, not because of QE, anything. It's because we're driving money away from where it should be. It should be invested for growth, production gains, building new ideas, creating efficiencies. Instead, we have shaved a ton of it off the top. A massive amount of new taxes have been created during this recovery to create social programs. That's plenty for another episode, though. But I want to say this. For now, it's simple. There's only a hundred cents and a dollar. You shave a bunch off the top to do other things that are not productive instead of investing in the future, and it's all simple math. The difficulty we have seen business work around for the last eight years is massive government much more of it than before. The good news is that we have grown in spite of it all. We would have grown much, much more without all the new intrusions, hinting that underneath all the frightening chatter about our future, the system is doing just fine, and it's getting stronger, not weaker, even while there's too much government, too much tax, too much regulation and fees. Why is it that central banks are everyone's go-to solution for solving the problem of weak economic growth? They shouldn't be. It's a far simpler problem to address. Producing comes before consumption does. Production and investing in the future derives growth. One important measure of money is the amount of money relative to the size of the economy. Think of this as the amount of one's annual income that is kept in cash form. Demand in the U.S. for money has been rising since the late 1990s, and it's now reached an all-time high. There is plenty of money. In fact, bank accounts hold almost $8 trillion. $8 trillion earning nothing. Why would they put money in an account that pays nothing? I would suggest we recognize this as a sign of deep-seated, ongoing fears. 
still left over from 2008 and 2009, meaning the demand for safety is still very strong. There is little benefit offered beyond that in a savings account. Taken a step further, were it not for deep-seated fear across the globe and a dire view of the future, why on earth would anybody buy a negative interest rate bond? Just in case, a negative interest rate bond means you give someone $100 and at a later date, they give you back less. Guaranteed. I would agree with others when they point out that it may not be a coincidence that the $4 trillion that has been thrown into bank savings accounts since the beginning of QE1 is basically the same order of magnitude of all the Fed's QE purchases. In effect, Banks took in $4 trillion of savings, deposits, and they used that cash to purchase notes and bonds, which were in turn sold to the Fed. It was just all the same money. We now have a massive amount of excess reserves. Today, forget the $8 trillion, banks themselves hold $2.3 trillion of excess reserves. Bankers will tell you that these are not levels chosen by banks because they're not desirous of lending money. Instead, these huge levels of reserves are a result of regulatory requirements that have all been implemented since 2008. It's kind of like closing the gate after all the horses left, even the bad horses. This comes from a myriad of new measures, including reserves required to collateralize deposits, risk-weighted capital requirements imposed by the Basel Accords, and the soon-to-become Fed-imposed requirement that banks hold highly liquid assets equal to 100% of the amount that the Fed stress tests indicate they would need to survive another liquidity crisis like we had in 2008 and 9. In other words, banks have accumulated a mountain of excess reserves, not because they don't want to lend, but because they had to accumulate them in order to survive the regulations. So be careful what you wish for. This tepid recovery has been caused by our own governmental actions. We created this tepid recovery. Think about that for a second. So what's holding the economy back? I'm shocked none of the current candidates are covering this at all in the nasty campaign rhetoric, but it's pretty basic and provides a slew of solutions we could work into the system. Turn the focus away from central banks and turn it instead on fiscal policy. Central banks have done all they can do. That's okay. What's standing in the way of progress? Burdensome regulations, massively high tax rates, intrusive government, a corporate tax structure that now makes the United States the most expensive place to do business on the planet, intrusive government subsidies for uneconomical projects, and most of all, 
that set of emotions that holds great control over the perception of our future, massive fear and uncertainty. Think about that. But here's the kicker. We've had lots of periods like this in the past, and one thing has been proven. Things improve over time. Patience and discipline. And remember, we caused this tepid recovery ourselves. Think about that. Hope it helps. Until we see you again on the next podcast, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.